We have a special helpline today. We're going to be doing an episode all about bringing a second baby home when your first is still a toddler. I know it was really challenging when I did it, and it seems I'm not the only one. Helpline Live will be back next week, so you can email your questions through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. As usual, we have Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire Chris Minogue with us in the studio. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. Now, I'm going to start off with a few sort of general questions. Sure. And then we're going to go into some specifics from our audience who've emailed some stuff through. Now, the first question I have is, what can you do before the baby comes to help the transition for your first child? Okay. So, um, obviously, we get children at different ages. You know, your gap could be six years. It could be 14 months. So, different ages and stages, um, you can put different things into place because of their cognitive development. But The thing that generally works well with a child, say, over the age of two, is not talking too much about it because it's like saying Santa's coming, but Santa's not coming until December, but you've told them in March. So lots of people, when there's an exciting new baby come along, they keep talking to the first child about being a big brother or a big sister, which is a lot of pressure when you're not quite sure what that actually means. So let the pregnancy go along and answer questions as children raise questions and have little chats about, you know, how your family's getting bigger and there's a new baby coming home. But keep it quite short and quite um, age appropriate to the child's needs. As the time gets closer, and let's assume this child's about two to two and a half, we then need to do visual things and verbal things to help them understand what's going to happen. So there's the physical pregnancy that the mum will have. So the mums are getting bigger and they often might point to the stomach or they know there's a baby in there, but they don't know anything more than that. And they know that Sarah's mummy had a baby, but that just seems to cry a lot. So it's very abstract in their mind. And then there's the separation and lots of children have not separated from their mothers for a period of time until she has another baby. Like they haven't gone and stayed with relatives or stuff. So it can be really overwhelming. So the few tips that I give mums at this age is within a couple of weeks of having the baby, so you're in about the 37th, 38th week, is to take them for a drive-by past the hospital. And in very simple language say things like, mummy needs to go in there to have the baby and mummy will need to stay for a little while with the baby. And then the response from the talking toddler is, and I come too. And at that point you say, no, you'll stay at home with, and you need to have your plan in place. So it's all about consistency. So they're already going to struggle with the fact that mum's going to be away for five nights or four nights, that when they see their mum, there's this baby that's involved in the equation. So what I like them to do is make sure that that child stays at home in their home base care, not suddenly flit off to this grandmother and that grandmother and great auntie Joe down the road, that they actually stay at home and that the partner resumes that evening routine, which is the bit where children struggle, where they're tired and they're a bit more emotional, a little bit more fragile. And where's my mum? So if dad could do the dinner, the bath and the bed, routine it really stabilizes the child to understand what might have gone on during the day so I've been to the hospital um, to see mum and there was a baby and she was feeding the baby and then I had to leave so that's quite a big 
concept for a little two or two and a half year old to try and get their their little head around. In fact, it's much easier if they were only 14 or 16 months difference because they don't care. They don't care who feeds them. They're just happy that someone's feeding them. So it's much harder with a two or, or above to get this sort of concept that mummy's coming home and that there's another baby. So the first thing is I do a visual. Lots of hospitals have a tour. So that often you can go and do a maternity tour and they get really familiar with the hospital. They'll keep saying, can I stay too? And no, you have to stay at home with daddy or you have to stay at home with daddy and feed the dog. So you need this plan in place by 37 weeks. It's great if family can help, but they're helping in the normal routine of the child. They're not taking the child away. Because you can imagine if you were two, mummy's gone that way. I see her with a baby. Grandma's come in and now I'm staying at my other grandma's place. That would be very chaotic in their brain. So we're trying to keep it as calm as we can so they get used to this new little baby. The second thing I do also in that, that little space of time is you might need to chop change the car seats around. So there's a, another visual for them. There's a baby seat over here. You're in a bigger seat or you're in a you know forward-facing seat, whatever the circumstances are. So some visuals. There's a baby bed at home. You know, we're starting to put that up. So little visual things. Now in the child that's over two and a half, that's where I get the calendar out. So on the calendar, I've made as many boxes as I'm going to stay in hospital. So say five boxes and I write down what might happen. So while you're in early labor or if you're, you know, ending up with a cesarean, you might know the day you're having a cesarean. So you could write this out beforehand. But while I'm in early labor, I just put in a few pictures on there. Mummy's going to hospital today, daddy will come, but grandma's coming. So there's a picture of maybe a hospital with a mummy and a daddy and a baby, and then there's a picture of grandma. And then each day they tick that off. Then there's a picture of them, and they're coming to visit with the words visit mummy in hospital. Then there might be something like um, going to the park with grandma. They tick that day off. And they tick the days off so that as they move through the week, they can see themselves coming to the point where mummy's coming home with this baby. And is there anything that you can do as a mum yeah. uh, to help support yourself when you bring two babies. two babies home before you've had the baby? Are there yeah. any sort of systems we should be thinking well, about? Well, I think if you've got support from family, you need that in place in the weeks before you have the baby. So the transition isn't as great. So say grandma can come and help two afternoons a week, then maybe starting grandma helping that two afternoons a week. And you taking a bit of a rest, a bit of time down to reserve some of that energy for when it's full on. The second thing I tend to see is lots of clients saying, I'll come home early from the hospital because then I'm back at home. But in actual fact, it's the only time you can give to your second child or your third child or your 12th child is those days in hospital. So remember that the hospital stay is about the rest, getting to know that new baby, establishing feeding. So be kind to yourself. And if you can put into place a bit of resting beforehand, you're going to be in a much better condition in that those early weeks of bringing a baby home. So if someone wants to help out on a regular basis, help the, get them to help out, start before the baby's born, not once the baby's born and then suddenly a stranger's helping out and the toddler reacts to it. Okay, so moving forward... Yep. What if you bring the baby home and 
the second child is ecstatic, loves yeah. their little baby uh, brother or sister, and cannot stop cuddling, <laughs> lying on, basically squishing the baby. How do you explain to a very young child who's, as you've said before, who's not yeah. cognitively aware? How do you get them to be gentle with this new baby? Ah, well, I do that in hospital. So I don't wait till we get home. I do it from the very first moment that they see that baby. So once they've come to the hospital to see mum, lots of people say things like, you should have a gift. Well, that's a weird thing. So why should they get a present and it's the baby's birthday? So that's confusing for them. And why doesn't everyone bring me a gift? So I don't do that. (laughs) I try and make it as normal as possible, that this is just an extension of a family. And so if if they come through the room and mum's maybe feeding the baby at that point, I don't put the baby down because that's not going to happen at home. So I continue to feed, but I might get that child to sit up on the bed or on the couch with them if they're able to. And I explain what I'm doing. So this is baby Jack and mummy's feeding baby Jack. And she will need to do that every couple of hours. But once I'm finished, I can read you a book. So you're setting the expectation up at a really small stage from the very very beginning in a really small way not a really big way once I've finished feeding that baby I actually lay the baby down because baby the little toddlers are just curious as to what a baby is so if the only thing they hear about the baby is no don't and stop well there's nothing better than going to get the thing that's no don't or stop so at that point I lay the baby down I let them touch the baby touch their hands, touch their feet, count their toes. Can you see where the little cord clip is? That's where they were attached to mummy. The only thing I sort of protect is their head. So once they then go for their head, I actually take their hand and say, gentle, we're doing gentle patting. So I'm not making it an object of no and don't and you can't. I'm making it an object of this is part of our family and we can touch the baby. So kids, are once they sort of see what things are, they usually happily leave it alone after that point, you know. So um, at that point, we just wrap the baby back up and then we say, would you like a cuddle? If it's a very young child, I usually get them to cross their legs and I put the baby in their legs so the baby's actually safe. And then we cuddle and kiss, but they'll let go very quickly, so don't go very far. And I also have to make that that, that wanting to hold that baby needs to be appropriate. So I've seen people take babies out of beds and give them to their child, whereas I would say, well, the baby's sleeping at the moment, but after the sleep, you can have a cuddle. So you've got to make it as normal as possible from the very beginning. Now, if that baby's in the, the little baby bed when that child comes in, then I, if you can, I just pick them up, give them a, the toddler a cuddle, take them over to the baby, say, here's baby Jack. And when baby Jack wakes up, we can have a look at baby Jack. So from the very beginning, when they walk in the door, there's nothing special It just, you have to actually make it flow from that point. And then we don't get too much of that jealousy behavior. And you've got to put the behaviors in appropriately. So a lot of children six weeks down the track show signs of jealousy. And they often say, I'll hold the baby, me the baby, give the baby to me. Because that's actually, they've learned that when they hold the baby, they get lots of attention. Isn't that cute? You look so adorable. You're the big brother. So what they do is then start squeezing them to death. (laughs) I call it just loving them to death. I'll just squeeze them. And then it might turn into a little pinch or a little nibble on the ear. And that's their level. They can't quite 
organise their emotions. So by then just taking the baby away and saying, we'll have a little cuddle a little later on and, you know, putting them down on the mat and laying around the baby and letting that child lay around, it's just going to make the baby more familiar with that child and allow them to adjust to this new little baby coming in. Um, now, breastfeeding is something we talk about a yeah. lot uh, with new babies, of course. <laughs> One of the things I found really challenging was I had forgotten how long you spend breastfeeding. Um, And I had a very active toddler at the time who loved to crawl on me and be on me when I was feeding. How do you manage that situation? First, I find a room that all three of you can be locked in (laughs) because... Can I lock her out? No, I can't lock her out. Gate, door, doesn't matter. So I need to know that my toddler's safe if I'm sitting down to do these feeds. These feeds take roughly between half an hour and 45 minutes. So it's a big period of time. I have the box that only comes out um, with toys in it for um, when you're feeding. The, the box doesn't get used any other time. I'd make sure that the toddler is okay. So if they need nappy changes, if they need food, I've got that set up. It is very realistic that they're going to watch an awful lot of Peppa Pig in the first six months. Six weeks, sorry, not six months, six weeks. And don't feel guilty about that. I think you've got to judge these moments for what they are. And as you feel more confident with two children, you'll rein back on those things. Um, I personally prefer the television than an iPad because the iPad, they can sit in the corner and do that on their own. Whereas the television, I think you can interact when you're feeding. And, it, you know, it could be anything. It could be Mr. Maker. So you say, oh, look, they're sticking that. So it's much more interactive. Um, and then uh, the last one that we use is stories. So you only read to them when you feeding the baby you also have to put that behavior rational if they're climbing all over you you have to protect the baby so I think from again from the get-go can you sit next to mummy mummy's going to feed the baby this is your whatever that you can use so book um, this is your sticker book that type of thing and you'll usually find after a few days that the toddler will move easily in that space going backwards and forwards once they are comfortable and know what's going to go on so that's why I mean shut the door so have a space that's safe for all three of you to be in and he's not roaming around the house while you're feeding because if that occurs you're going to keep putting the baby down and you're going to be feeding for much much longer by doing that. It's amazing how quickly you forget these things. Yeah, isn't it? (laughs) All right. So we have a caller who has two very small children and she has a question. Sally is on the phone now. Hi, Sal. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm good, thanks. Hi, Chris. Hi. (laughs) So what are you you dealing with at the moment? Um, Currently, uh, well, my baby, she's four months old this week and I've got a 20-month-old son as well. Right. Um, And I guess... My big issue at the moment is trying to get her to sleep with with a twenty uh, with month him. old. Yeah, he keeps kind of crashing in. Yeah, I, I don't want to close the door and lock him out no. of the room because it just he'll just have a tantrum. And also, he's too young. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not a three year old that you can you know say stay there. And I think you know lots of people struggle with this when they're juggling two children or three children, and especially the age because he's only twenty months. So he's a baby, he's still got those baby qualities. He hasn't got yeah. to that cognitive stage of a two or a two and a half year old. So the good news is when you have two children really close together, the second child self-settles really quickly because there's a point at where you go, okay, what do I actually have to achieve here? Like, is it Ted crashing through the door? Or is it, you know, getting Edie to lay, to, to lay down and go to sleep? And so what I think you do is... With the second 
time you have a baby, you understand about the settling. And the crying within that is at a different level than what you experience when your first baby cries. So emotionally, you can put it somewhere else. So I think what you have to do, and one of the things I do with a 20-month-old is, have you got a corridor leading into the room where you put Edie to sleep? Uh, no, it's pretty open plan, actually. So does it come off a main room? Yes. It yes. does come off a main room. So... Um, what we would have normally done is put a baby gate so that Ted could see you, but he's not in the room. And if there was a corridor, we put it two-thirds of the way down the corridor so he can play oh. in the corridor while you're settling the baby. Okay. Yes. The second thing, if all the rooms are sort of coming off a main area and he's just running in after you, is to create a little box of things that he only gets that has the most intriguing things in it that he only gets when you go into that room. So he can come with you when you go to put the baby down, you know, so he comes through that process, wrapping, cuddling or not, uh, you know, your cues to putting the baby to sleep. But then when you leave the room, he leaves the room with you, okay? So you've wrapped her, cuddled her, popped her down, if that's what you're doing in, in a basic way of settling a baby, tucked her in and walked out. Now, you said before she has a dummy, um, yes, we're okay. trying. She sometimes does Okay, so the trick here is not to put the dummy in when you put it first down into a bed. Your, t- your dummy becomes the tool that gets you in and out of that room quicker once she starts crying. So, you know, wrapped, cuddled, popped down, tucked in, out of the room with Ted, okay, so that you've brought him with you at that point and then he's come out of the room, so he's much calmer, he's not calling out while you're trying to put her down. Set him up with something to do, like stickers, if he doesn't have stickers, you know, in at any other time, stickers and a pad of paper. And then if she starts crying and at the point where you need to go back in, I would then try and get in there and put the dummy in and get out fairly okay. quickly. Okay. Yep. Okay. Engage Ted for a couple more minutes. So depending on the cry of of the little one, Mm -hmm. and then go back and try the same thing. Put the dummy in, maybe a little bit of shush pat, depending on how well Ted's going, and then back out again, okay? So this in and out game happens, and because it's an in and out game, because you can't leave Ted for very long and you can't leave her for very long, then what happens is inadvertently she starts to self-settle with those comforting moments coming in and out of it. Now, yeah. does Ted do any daycare? Uh, he's about to start. In okay, so yeah. I think what that's going to do is alleviate uh, a couple of days where you can really concentrate on her settling pattern um, while he's in his daycare or being looked after. And that reinforces the behaviour when Ted's at home. So you'll get a couple of days where, you know, you can really work at the settling. And then yep. on the days that you've got Ted at home, you know, two or three days that you've got Ted at home before the weekend, you do this sort of in and out, um, in and out behaviour that allows her to settle. Okay. Does yep, that make no, sense? That's good. Yeah, I think I was going in wanting her to be asleep before you left. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think not. now she's a bit older and a bit stronger. I do mm. a lot more in and out, it, but inadvertently she ends up self-settling because mm. you do it almost not not deliberately, but out of the need of making sure those two babies are, uh, you know, in a safe space and doing well. 
Okay. And Sal, you had a question you I think that's related to Ted starting daycare. Yes, um, I think I'm just a bit worried about Edie, the the little one, getting sick. Sick, yeah, yeah. because and Ted he's, he's already had a few play dates with at the daycare center, and he's already you know had in, yep. infection and whatever. So I'm just wondering, are you going to grade him into daycare, or is he just going straight into daycare? No, I've been um, having him go a couple of days since the start of Jan. So and with you there, or a couple of hours on his own there. Um, it's been with me so far. Okay, so yeah. the f- I do it in a little bit of a graded way. So I would drop him off in the morning at the time frame you want to drop him off. But for the first, say he's doing two days a week, I would then pick him up before his lunchtime sleep and take him home and put him down to lunch and get uh, put him down to sleep because then you'll get the advantage of the much longer day because he'll sleep in the afternoon. But what that does is it doesn't expose him so quickly to the amount of kids in the daycare. Okay, so you get, say, let's say he goes to, at 8 o'clock to daycare and you're going to pick him up at 12 o'clock before he has his afternoon sleep. When he gets home at 12 o'clock, you give him a bath. So you take those daycare clothes off him and give him a bath and put fresh clothes on him. Now, it's, it's not going to stop if he gets sick and then passes it on to Edie. But what it will stop is that the germs that are on him, where someone sneezed on him or wiped their nose on him, that he'll be cleaner and he won't pass that on or he'll put a barrier between Edie and himself. So if you do that for a week, then the next, next week you do a slightly longer day. So you might pick him up at three, okay? bring him home, give him a bath, to the point at where you get to the level of the day that you're looking for. So you might want to drop him off between 8 and 8.30 and pick him up around 4.30. And when you pick him up at 4.30, bring him home and put him in the bath. So change his clothes, wash him down, and that'll put a little bit of a barrier between what he's got on him versus what he could give her because he's starting to get sick. Is there okay. anything you can give a toddler, Chris, that... Boost no. their immune system? Oh, yeah, you can. You can give them something like Pentavida, a very simple um, sort of multivitamin, but it won't stop them from getting sick. It'll only help them in the recovery phase. And I think okay. most most parents are aware that it's sort of six viruses in six months. Oh, but it's good to start him in the summer. It's good to start him in the summer, <laughs> you know, because there's less going on. I know he's going to get sick. I know that's going to happen. Yeah, so that's just, right. Until she's had all her vaccinations and stuff. Um, that's right. Yeah. You're just yeah. a bit more wary. So yeah. literally sort of rejig your day a little. So he comes home and he has a bath and, and bribery and corruption. You know, you can tell him that the bubbles live in the bath and let's go and play, play with the bubbles um, and just put some fresh clothes on him. It's a little bit annoying because you're doing the bath a little bit earlier, but it works. Yeah. yeah. It works in giving that little bit of protection. All right. Thank you. That's, That's a great. pleasure. I'll give it a go. Good <laughs> luck, Sally. Thanks, Chris. Thank Bye. You. Well, we might finish up with what is actually a comment, but I'm, I'm curious to know your te- take on this, Chris. This is from Marvi. She said, I'm really an- interested to hear others' experience on this, as in bringing second baby home. Yep. My son is a unicorn baby, but I've really struggled with the first six months. Physical recovery from birth is still ongoing. Mm. I just don't know how I would do all that again. The hours of fe- feeding and holding and a life based around regular sleeping if I were to go again whilst also having a toddler to manage and more physical recovery? It's the main question I ask myself and I keep answering, 
I just don't think I could be bothered. I love the idea of having two kids, but would like someone to give me my second as a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Yes. So I think in this case where it feels a little bit overwhelming, the thought of two children, and in this case, it was the physical recovery that took a long time. So it wasn't necessarily about that baby. It was about how she felt across that period is if you both agree that there's a second baby in you and you want to have that second baby, I would put things into place like um, do you have the support of maybe your parents or your parents-in-law? Um, will they be able to come over and help maybe with drop-offs and pick-ups from daycare? So really think about the support around you, knowing what you know about babies and that your first baby was a good little baby. So there's every chance that the second baby will be a good little baby because you know, you know what you know. <laughs> Don't know if it's genetic, but you know what you know. And I think for this case, it's about giving you more support so you don't get overwhelmed. You know, talk to your partner about how long he can take off after you have the baby. Um, look at the daycare that the baby's ha- that the toddler's having. Look at um, can your parents maybe take an extra day with that toddler, or maybe come over in the afternoons where toddler baby mix can be difficult, and put that into place before you go into that second baby. Don't go into the second baby thinking, "How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this?" Because I think the world will fall down. So take some time and think about the support around you and see if that allows you to think, yes, there is a second baby in you. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm glad I asked your opinion on that. (laughs) And thanks again for your help today. Always a pleasure. So that's all for this special episode of Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. Chris Minogue and myself will be back next week, as usual, taking your questions. To submit them to Chris, just send an email through to us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.